Good morning. How is everybody this morning? All right. I know you just, what'd you say? What? Wait. I, I don't even listen, I guess, when I ask how that is. How y'all are. Um, <clears throat> let's go to the Lord and Word of Prayer this morning. I know you just prayed. Brother Troy, you want to lead us? Amen. All right. Revelation chapter 16. Revelation chapter 16. Who's ready to be done with the tribulation? Nobody? Okay. <laughs> My hand is up. <laughs> if you are, Lord willing, your prayer will be answered this morning. We should finish, finish up here. Revelation chapter 16. This is the seventh vial being opened. All these things are happening. And... Verse 21 says, And there fell upon men a great hail out of heaven, every stone about the weight of a talent. And men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail, for the plague thereof was exceeding great. All right? So, we talked about last time this great earthquake that would be the worst earthquake the earth has ever seen. And we talked about the verse that said the mountains and the islands would flee away. So the topography of the earth is completely changed now in preparation for the return of the Lord and the setting up of the millennial kingdom. But as bad as all that is, this here, this last thing is, is, is pretty bad. It says there fell upon men a great hail out of heaven, every stone. That's interesting. Every stone. I'm talking about hail. Every stone. Why is that interesting? It's talking about hail falling, and it says every stone was about the weight of a talent. Well, yeah. Yeah. And hail is usually ice, right? So. What's going on here? It's talking about a stone. Stones falling from heaven. This word hail here is, um, this Greek word is talking about something that falls from the sky. Not necessarily hail in the way we think of it. Um, remember, we've seen this before as we go through this. They, the Bible uses words that don't necessarily mean the same thing they do in our language today. Right? Words change meanings. If you would have asked somebody 40 years ago, what does the word gay mean? What would they have told you? Happy. They would probably not have thought about what we think about. Words change meanings. So this is talking about stones falling from heaven. So the question is, where are they coming from? Well, when you think about things going on with the earth's crust, and you think about tectonic movements and no I'm, I'm, I hope I'm not going to bore you to death I'm not going to get into a science lesson these things call great volcanic activity 
that spew things out from the earth into the atmosphere, sometimes the upper atmosphere, sometimes into outer space. I think that happened during the great flood. Here we have this great earthquake, and I believe it spews things up, and now they're falling back down. Large rock fragments over great areas. And it says that each one weighed a talent. Well, that's a hundred, about 100 pounds. Can you imagine a hailstorm of boulder or rock material? Each one, the Bible says, weighing at least 100 pounds. Can you imagine what a 100-pound rock would look like? Imagine that falling from the sky. This is, this is a terrible time. If it wasn't terrible before, and it was, it's terrible now. This plague here is exceeding great. So imagine, you've got these armies gathering together at Armageddon. And if you have a chance, you can go look at the Valley of Jezreel and Megiddo there, and it's just a huge, flat valley. It's perfect for a, a, a military battle on the ground. And these armies are gathered there, and all of a sudden, hail flows from heaven. Well, what's that going to do? Well, I mean, it's going to kill a lot of them. It, it has to. They have nowhere to run and hide. And so I heard one guy say, could this possibly contribute to what we've read in the past about blood up to the uh, horses' bridles? Maybe. I don't know about that. I thought I'd throw that in there. I thought it was kind of interesting. Maybe, maybe not. So a great hailstorm. Whatever, it's bad. And we know that we serve a long-suffering God, and I'm glad he is long-suffering, especially in my life. But the day of the Lord will come. Psalm 2, 9 says, Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron, thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. This seventh vial, don't forget, this is the end of the seventh trumpet, which is also the end of the seventh seal. This is the end of God's judgment poured out on the earth. We're at the end. I know it seems kind of fragmented because we had about 14 months of COVID where we didn't meet. But we've talked about this whole thing. We've talked about the tribulation. We've talked about all the seals. We've talked about all the trumpets. We've talked about all the vials. We've talked about all the death. We've talked about all the stuff that we don't even understand. And you're not going to understand everything in this Bible. If somebody tells you they do, don't, please don't listen to them. Because you're not. The Lord says that the just shall live by faith. There are things that you'll take in this Bible as truth by faith. Or you won't take them. I mean, just think, you know, something as simple as a virgin birth. How do you explain that? Well, you can't explain it. You either take it by faith or you don't take it at all. And there's a lot of things in there. So we've talked about things, you know, we don't even understand. So it's getting ready for the return of the Lord at the Battle of Armageddon, getting ready for the millennial reign. Those are some of the things we'll talk about next. But first, in Revelation 17 and 18, John is taken by the Spirit into the wilderness. And he sees an amazing sight. It's, it's a woman 
on a scarlet-colored beast. And she's going to be called a great whore. And I'm going to say that word several times during this lesson. That's, that's what the Bible uses. Okay? So don't be offended when I say that. The Bible calls her that. No, you can't. And when we look at her, we won't be able to dress down. And, and I'm going to go ahead and tell you. Understanding Revelation 17 is probably some of the hardest. That's some of the hardest time I've spent studying this whole thing is Revelation 17. And we've already talked about some of it. You may not remember it, but we talked about it when we talked about the Antichrist. Kind of the middle and to the end of Revelation 17. Also know this. You don't have to take my word for it. <laughs> Go study it yourself. You know, I always tell you when I don't know, I don't know. I try to give you the facts. I give you what the Bible says. I give you my opinion. And when I give you my opinion, I tell you, this is my opinion. If you don't believe it, that's fine. No problem. This here, there's about five or six probably valid opinions on who this woman is. And I'm going to present a couple of them, and we'll talk about a couple of them, and I'm going to tell you what I think. And again, if you don't believe, agree with me, that's fine. No problem. Go read it for yourself. But I'm going to do my best to stick with Scripture and not what we read. Because if you study anything that, uh, I'm going to call it controversial, whether that be the end times or whether that be uh, the sons of God in Genesis 6, you're going to find all kind of opinions out there. And I've been, you know, there are a lot of books on Revelation. I've got a lot of books. But I have to narrow it down, or I can't get all of it in. So I've narrowed it down through this study to about three. And when I look at Revelation 17 and those three books, guess how many different opinions I got? Three. Each one convinced they're right and has good support. Okay? So as we look at things like this, things that the Bible is not clear on, there are some things the Bible doesn't speak to. There are things the Bible mentions and moves on. Those things we should not fight about. We shouldn't get in an argue about, shouldn't get upset about. Okay? Study it for yourself. See what you think. So the fall of Babylon, Revelation 17 and 18. Um, I thought maybe we could get this in in one lesson, and we might. It's probably going to take two. I'm not going to read all of Revelation 17 and 18. Um, there's a lot of verses there. You can read it in your spare time. But the fall of Babylon was discussed when we talked about some other things back in Revelation chapter 14. And I told you then that we would talk about that later. Because remember, we're not doing a verse-by-verse -verse study of Revelation. We're doing a subject study. So when we came to that, we didn't really investigate it. We mentioned it, said we'd talk about it later, move on. But the fall of Babylon is celebrated in Revelation chapter 14. Well, we're in Revelation chapter, going into 17, and Babylon hadn't failed yet. 
What's up with that? Don't forget, things in Revelation are not necessarily in chronological order. You have to remember that, or you'll be like a flea in a yo-yo. You will not understand any of it. Okay? So when we came to that part in Revelation chapter 14, that was a parenthetical phrase that happened some other time. And it's going to happen after what we're talking about here. So don't forget, to understand this, realize that the events of 17 and 18 that we're about to talk about occurred during the pouring out of this seventh vial. And the events of Revelation 14 occur after that. Okay? The accounts are not consecutive. All right. So, I saw I've already said this. Babylon, uh, Babylon has great importance in Scripture. Who can tell me something about Babylon? I ain't moving on until somebody tells me something. <laughs> Very, very important city to the world. Okay? Good trade city, that's right. So it was important economically to that time. All right, what else? Somebody tell me something about Babylon. It was a sinful place. Yeah. Okay, what else? Come on now. Babylon. Yeah, absolutely. At a time, at time, at 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 one time. Right. There's a lot of biblical typology with Babylon. It's kind of what Miss. Miss uh, Peggy's talking about, and we'll talk about that definitely here. What else? Come on. Yes. Yes. So, again, biblical typography. It symbolizes the seat of the Antichrist, if you couldn't hear Mr. David. The seat of world power. Now, what about not in Revelation? You know stuff about Babylon. I know you do. The Tower of Babel. Oh, wait, that's Babel. You just ruined the next 12 slides. I'm going to skip that. Thank you for that, though. That's, that's, really, that's good. And you're right. How about Babylon. Who was the king of Babylon in the Bible that we read about? Nebuchadnezzar. And we talked about this when we talked about the times of the Gentiles. Remember? Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had this image built. You remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They wouldn't bow down? That's Nebuchadnezzar. Okay? Remember Daniel? He lived in the time of Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar was the king of Babylon. They took the Israelites and carried them away to Babylon, the Babylonian captivity. I know you've heard of that. 
And a lot of times what they would do, um, you know, and some of this is where the Samaritan people come from. That's why the Jews wouldn't have anything to do with them. We read about that when Jesus meets her, that, that lady. Um, they would come in and they would take all the, the good people of the nation they were conquering and they would export them back to their, their city, Babylon, and they would take all their, I don't, I don't mean disrespect by this, but low lives as they saw them, and they would bring them back and they would drop them in, in this place. And then these people would intermarry. What'd you say? <laughs> Deplorables. <laughs> Boy, I ain't never been so, so glad to be called a deplorable as when Hillary Clinton said that. I love it. Um, and when Nancy Pelosi said what she said, I started shopping at Walmart even more. But anyway, all right. So <laughs> they would take the, good, the best of the best and bring them out. They would bring their worst of the worst, and these people would intermarry. And for a Jew... Strictly staying with the law, that was forbidden. You weren't to intermarry with people. Now, that's a picture for the church. If you're saved, you're not to intermarry with somebody that's lost. That's, that's Bible teaching. And so, you know, as our kids come up, we need to tell them there's no point in even dating someone who's not saved. Yeah. That's right. Normally... Normally that's true with all these apps and stuff, Miss Peggy. I don't, I don't know. And these, you know, these shows on TV, Married at First Sight or whatever. I, never, I ain't never seen it, so don't be upset at me. But they bring them out, and the first time they see them is the. the I act like I've seen it. I? I have not seen this, Misty. I don't have Facebook either. <laughs> The plot of the show is they bring them out, and the first time them two see each other is when they're getting married right there on that show. That's the plot. Oh, really? Well, well, technically you had a date. So, right? You had one date. All right. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't even know. Oh, Misty? Why can't you just be like Dawn? Just <laughs> well, she probably was. <laughs> she probably was. I know Wanda was. But, um, all right. Well, we were talking about something in the Bible. <laughs> Babylon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know. I was just, I was just teasing. Um, yeah, we shouldn't be intermarrying, and we shouldn't be letting our kids do it either at, at all cost, at all cost. Um, lives have been destroyed by that, and man, we would save ourselves some heartache. But anyway, we don't want to listen. <laughs> we just don't listen. We're just like the children of Israel, aren't we, Mr. David? We, we just, he can't hear me. We just don't, we just don't listen. <laughs> Look at him. <laughs> I was talking to you, but that's okay. We're going to get a walkie-talkie so I can ask you questions. Do you? Well, Andrew does too. So. All right.
Let's, we've got to put in somewhere. Okay? We're not going to read all of 17 and 18. But we've got to put in somewhere. So let's look at the first thing John sees. We'll read the first six verses here. <clears throat> and then I'm going to let Brian Ard come up here and explain it all to you. <laughs> Revelation 17, verse 1. And there came one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials, and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither. And I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness. And I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color, and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand, full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wandered with great admiration. So this is just something I found on the internet. And I'm going to tell you what, when you start looking for stuff, boy, you better be careful. Because there's some stuff out there you don't even need to see. I mean, I don't, it's just, it's just bad stuff. So the, the thing everybody wants to know about this passage of Scripture is, the question is, who is Babylon? Who is this woman? Or what does she represent in Scripture? That's, that's the question. Well, yeah. Yes, absolutely. She said government and law, and that's absolutely right, and we'll get to that. But that's the question everybody wants to know. Who is this? And sometimes I don't really get into this in the slides here. But sometimes we focus on the wrong things. I mean, we need to talk about this because we're talking about the fall of Babylon. And it's a vision John sees, so we're going to talk about it. But a lot of times we get hung up on things that ain't, ain't really important. We miss, I think, the part of the scripture and the passage that I think God wants us to see because we're focused on something else. Um, I mean, you've heard... Um, People get in an argument over whether Adam and Eve had belly buttons. I mean, good heavens. <laughs> Gracious. So, who is Babylon? There's all kind of ideas out there. And I had my ideas coming into this study here because I've done this before. I, I changed it a little bit. I, I didn't completely change it. Um, and you'll see what I'm talking about a little bit later. Um, but... I've seen some things I never, I never really saw before. Um, some commentators believe that this is a reference to the false church, to apostates. Yep. Again, and that may be true. That may be true. I'm talking about some well-respected people. If, if you read after, that's what they're going to say. So who am I to say any different? However, I will say that if John meant the false church, why didn't he, why hide it? 
I mean, John and the other apostles, they had no problem calling out the false church. They had no problem telling them what they were doing wrong. They had no problem telling them how wrong they were. No problem whatsoever. So why hide it? I don't, I would, I don't understand that. Now, I may be wrong thinking this, but that's my thought. I don't understand why you would hide this. I think I say later, revelation means unveiling, not veiling. Unveiling. So why hide it? I, I just don't understand it. I mean, as a matter of fact, look at what Jude says about apostasy. These are spots in your feasts of charity. Do you know what that means? Does anybody know what that means? They would have feasts back in those days, and they would call them charity feasts or feasts of charity, where the church, see, they're not like we are. They weren't, they couldn't just run down to McDonald's and grab them a sausage and biscuit whenever they wanted to. A lot of these people during this time were dirt poor. And a lot of them even gave most of what they even had to the church for the furtherance of the gospel. So they didn't have the luxuries that we had. But some of them were wealthy. And so they would have these things called feasts of charity where the wealthy would put together a meal. And they would bring in the church and they would get together and they would all eat together. That was called a feast of charity. So when Jude's talking about this, he's saying these people that I'm talking about, and if you, go, you need to go read the context of this, but these people that I'm talking about, they're part of these feasts of charity. They're in the church. And they're apostates. They're part of the church. Not the saved body of believers. I'm saying they're physically attending with the church at times. And they ain't doing it to encourage either. They're doing it to cause division and strife. But they're there. So these are spots in your feast of charity when they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear. <clears throat> Clouds. They are. Without water. How do you have a cloud without water? How do you have a church with no cloud? <laughs> Laziness. Apathy. Yeah. Clouds without water. They're, they're empty. Carried abound of winds. Just change all the time. Whatever, whatever their focus is, I mean, and I think whatever can, you know, get them the most gain. Trees whose fruit withereth without fruit. <laughs> Twice dead. How is that possible? Oh, it's possible. We'll talk about something that the Bible calls the second death later in scripture plucked up by the roots raging waves of the sea foaming out their own shame wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever so i got off on jude but the point is if jude and john in other places and paul and all these guys didn't mind Letting the false church have it in their writings? Why here? Maybe it is a false church. I don't think it is.
All right, now, a little bit more controversial here. I'm about to be, maybe. Other commentators put forth the opinion that this is a reference when it talks about this whore of Babylon to Rome, to the city of Rome, and or the revived Roman Empire, or the Roman Catholic Church, or all three. How could it be all three? Well, I mean, it could be. And we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, well, and we may not make it today. But we're going to talk just a minute in a few minutes about typography in the Bible and prophecies that have dual meanings. So why do they think this is wrong? Well, primarily they take it from verse 9. And here is the mind which hath wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. Now, I've read people that say that first phrase, here is the mind that hath wisdom. I've read people that say only somebody that really has wisdom is going to understand what I'm telling you here. And then it says the seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. And so the person that says that then goes on, and they look in history, and they see in the past that in ancient times that Rome was known as the city of seven hills. And that is true. There were seven prominent hills that surrounded the city. So they called it the city of, on, that sat on seven hills. Um, I want to see what the next thing was. So what they say is, this verse here, here's the mind which hath wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. So I conclude, not me, this is, I'm talking about some of the commentators. I conclude that since Rome sat on seven hills, this is wrong. That's the key to unlocking this. And that might be true. And it probably is at least partly true. But you could also read this in Jay's opinion. This mind which hath wisdom, I think it could also mean don't misunderstand this either. Just because we think a verse says this because something we can pluck out of history or our time doesn't mean it's right. We may think it all fits together. If you ask, and I am not going to get off on this, but if you ask uh, the people that believe in Pangea, everybody heard of Pangea? No? Some have, some haven't. Pangea is what a lot of people believe used to be the supercontinent millions of years ago. All the land was together in one, and it was. But they believe that Pangea, that there, there, there was one big supercontinent, and they call it Pangea. And that if you look, I wish I'd have had a map, but I didn't mean to get off on this. If you look at, um, at a map of the globe, they say that you can see 
where these continents just fit right to, fit, I know, <laughs> fit right together. What's the problem with that? I'll tell you one glaring problem with it. Are the continents floating? Of course not. Do you know if you get in the water and you go far enough down as you can go, you're going to hit land? So they believe that all these continents over time, over millions and billions of years, and they change it all the time, just kind of spread apart. Yeah. But, and I don't remember all the, is it already time? Oh, goodness. Um, I don't, well, I, we'll have to stop here. I don't remember all the, uh, all the details, but they pretty much, you'd have to take out all, even if it was possible, you'd have to take out all of Central America, you'd have to rotate a bunch of them, you'd have to shrink Africa, all this kind of stuff. It don't work. What I'm saying is, just because something looks right to our physical eye does not mean that it is. And I'm not saying that this is not. but we'll talk about it more next time. <laughs> All right? So that's where we will pick up. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Shay, can you dismiss us?